everyone and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez. For those of you who are returning, welcome back. I'm so happy you're here. For those of you that are new, welcome. So Astrology Now podcast is a podcast devoted to Vedic sidereal astrology. Most of our podcasts are horoscopes and forecasts, planetary energy, what to expect, research projects, talking all about astrology. And if you've listened to my podcast long enough, you know that Vedic astrology is a supplement to the quest of self-realization. So we can learn so much about ourselves emotionally, mentally, spiritually, karmically, and this information is helpful because it can support our personal growth, our connection to something beyond just this material body or just this ego right? We use this information so that we can elevate ourselves and again, support us on that quest for self-realization. And so I'm saying this because today we are doing things a little bit differently. I am so honored and so humbled to say that I have an interview with one of the most profoundly influential teachers in my life, Raghunath. And so Raghunath is a world-renowned yoga teacher. He teaches all over the world, teaching actual physical yoga postures. But he is also an authority in yogic philosophy and Vedic literature. Raghunath is the host of Wisdom of the Sages. So Wisdom of the Sages is a daily yoga podcast where he and his co-host Kastuba Das talk about yogic philosophy. They talk about the Bhagavatam and they share insight and information in a way that is so incredibly relevant and helpful and supportive. I highly recommend checking out Wisdom of the Sages. In addition to being a spiritual guide, yoga teacher, and podcast host, Raghunath is also a musician. He does kirtan as well as punk rock. He is a father, a farmer, and he is a devotee. He acts in devotional service for Krishna consciousness, and he is, again, just a highly motivational and inspirational, funny person. Final thing I'll say, he was on Joe Rogan. So if you're interested, if you like Joe Rogan, if you like Raghunath, wherever you find your videos, you can watch the interview between Joe Rogan and Raghunath. It was super interesting. Then again, please be sure to check out Wisdom of the Sages. So that's all from me. Let's go ahead and jump into the interview. All right. So welcome, Raghunath. I am so excited to have you on. I am, as I mentioned to you on the phone, like actively resisting having a fangirl experience. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, you are, you're an international yoga teacher and spiritual teacher steeped in bhakti and Krishna consciousness. Um, of course, you also teach a lot of asana and physical postures as well. You're a father, you're a musician, Kirtan and punk rock. You're an ex monk. You've just traveled all over the world and you have a book coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I wanted to ask though, can you tell us just a little bit about your book? Well, the book is, you know, I was working on like uh, uh, how, to, how to take Bhakti philosophy and make it sort of like very, very accessible for anybody you meet on the street. So that was, um, that was what I was working on called the uh, six pillars of Bhakti. And, um, my publisher was like, well, that's great. We're totally into it, but we want your story. I was like, well, you know, I was never a drug addict. I was never in jail. He goes, you got a good story. We want your story. And they kept on pushing me and I kept on resisting. And I was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to write my story. And so I put the other one on hold and I just started telling my story. 
Oh. And, um, you know, at first I was thinking, oh, I should do this with like a ghost. What do you call it? A ghost writer, a ghost writer, mm-hmm. and, because who's got the time to do this? But it was actually a really fun practice of appreciation, mm-hmm. because when you start and I'm sure, you know, because you're a very spiritual person. But when you start to reflect on your spiritual path and your spiritual journey, you st- and, 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 and because I started from like childhood to not quite present, but um, you start to realize how like messengers have been sent to you all along the way. So the entire thing I was my entire time I was writing, I was like, wow, that was a magical time. That was a magical meeting. That was an incredible realization I got at seven years old. That was incredible. And you realize actually your whole life has always been steered by spirit. We just don't like opt in to listen. But when you can zoom out and see your whole life and look back on it um, with those with that spiritual vision, you can realize, yeah, for sure. I, I've been like looked after. I was never abandoned. Even my roughest times, I wasn't abandoned. There was a reason I went through that. There was exact, that was exactly what I needed, whether it be a heartbreak or loss of money or got robbed or got some injury, some chronic sickness or whatever it was like, that was exactly what I needed at that time. And when you're in the thick of the thing, you can't even tell. But when you step away from it and at a different vantage point, you're like, oh my God, I couldn't see it then. And when I pieced this all together in a, in, in a memoir, I was like, wow, that was sort of magic. Wow. And I think everybody's got that magic as well but we have to step back from ourselves and then we have to put on our spiritual uh, goggles to really see it or else we live in a world of that was a good day. That was a bad day. That was a great time. That was a bad time. That was a great relationship. And that was a failure. Oh, I want to undo that one. I want to, I want to undo that one. I wish I would have stayed there. And it just becomes a world of that. And that that's a material vision where it's sort of, um, it's a bitterness of uh, why didn't I do that? What a bad choice. I should have I should have bought the property. Uh, well, I missed I missed it. You know, I, I missed bitcoins, whatever it is. Yeah. Stuff like that. A world of regret and lamentation. And those were the good old days and stuff like that. So yeah. it was it was a great spiritual practice to write the memoir. Actually, That's I feel really awesome. good about it. And it I- was a peculiar story. You know, I was a punk rock and then I was a punk rock. And then I quit it and went to India, became a monk. And then I and then I decided to start a spiritual punk rock band in the ashram with other monks. And that band got exponentially bigger than the first band. And I had to tour like a monk, like a celibate monk uh-huh. that wouldn't eat at restaurants. We cooked our own food wherever we went, mm-hmm. stay up all night. We, you know, we we'd wake up, you know, because we were playing a gig. So we'd stay up after midnight and do our morning meditation. Then we'd sleep. You know, and then we'd refuel ourselves by going to India and immerse ourselves in simple villages in India at holy places. And it was just like a, a crazy journey. Yeah, it's so funny. I was actually listening to you talk about that experience the other day on one of the podcasts. I forgot to mention that you were a podcast host of my favorite podcast, Wisdom of the Sages, you and Kastuba Das. Thank you. Yes. And so, I mean, for the people listening, I know they're already just totally captured by your words. And so if you want to hear Raghunath speak every day, he does a daily yoga podcast with some of the sages, which you should definitely check out. But anyway, I was listening to it the other day on my walk and you were recollecting on the times as a monk in the rock band and you like cleaning other people's houses, like you'd stay and like cook for (laughs) them and offer them prasad and like clean their house. (laughs) Yeah, we'd go on tours 
And, you know, sometimes the promoter, which back then in that music scene, it was a bunch of kids our age, would say, yeah, well, why don't you just stay with us? And we're like, oh, sure. So instead of like the classic rock and roll, we trash the place, we would clean the place. We would clean the place. We would, you know, we were all, you know, because bhakti culture, you're into cooking. So you, you set up a massive, a big pot of rice, a big pot of dal. You make a vegetable curried preparation. You put it on an altar. You offer it to God. And then you inv- we invited like, you know, half the, you know, a few hundred people to this person's house from the performance. And then I give a class and we have kirtan and then we serve out a big feast. And we did that all over America. Yeah. I mean, we've done we did that all over Sweden. We've done it all over here in Italy. And, you know, that was just sort of like part of our uh, business as usual. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm at my mom's house right now. She's 95 years old and visiting in New York. But the band used to stay and practice at her house. And every day. We just make these massive feasts and invite people over. And it was one magical, you know, it's when, when you step into the world of spirituality, I'm convinced that everybody's life is very magical, but we don't opt into it and therefore become sort of mundane and routine. And we start to think this is just humdrum. You know, why am I doing what I'm doing? I'm busy doing nothing. But the, the spirit is magical, quite magical. Because the spiritual realm is, it, when I say magical, it means something like it's something extraordinary that we don't um, even notice. And then when we sort of opt into what we are, which is I'm not an Italian American New Yorker, I'm a pure spirit soul that's covered by illusion, and I'm trying to get out of it. And I, and, but I see myself as not a white person or a black person or a male or what my sexual preference is or what my political party is. That's all got. That's all got to do with our vehicle and our mind. It's got nothing to do with us. What we are is a pure spirit soul. And once I claim that as my identity, I find magic starts to happen. And I think a lot of you guys who listen to this podcast can sort of get that already. And it's especially cool because it's an astrology podcast. So once you accept astrology, especially the Jyotish, you're accepting that, yeah, this concept of you as Christine Rodriguez and me as Raghunath. This is one page of a massive encyclopedia of existences we've had. And this is a so-called identity in the same way I'm going to L.A. and I'm going to rent a car. And due to some foolishness, I get attached to the Mustang convertible I'm renting. But I'm not a Mustang. It's just a rental. Why? so proud? Why so arrogant about it? Why make that your identity? You're not a car. It's a rental vehicle. This body that we know as Christina Raghunath, they're just rentals for a few decades. We have this form. We come out of ignorance. We come completely convinced that this is me. But when you study a Jyotish, you realize, oh, I get it. Everything I've got in this life, there's some radical responsibility I have if I start complaining about what I got. Because I've got what I've got due to some actions in some previous incarnation of myself. And that's what I got. Did you listen to the reincarnation episode the other day? I did. Yeah. That, would you, did you like it? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is so them. uncanny. If yeah. those who aren't, do you mind if I just share about it for a second? Yeah, please. So again, this is our podcast, Wisdom of the Sages. And we go through one of the sacred literatures of India, the Srimad Bhagavatam, which has 18,000 verses. So it's a whole life's work and it's considered the cream of the crop of yoga philosophy. 
That's why we call it a yoga podcast. It's not because we teach people how to do up dog and down dog. We teach the roots of yoga philosophy uh, highlighted in bhakti. So um, one of the episodes we had was on reincarnation. And there's all these, uh, there was a professor at the University of Virginia and there's a, a, a um, Ian Stevenson in the 50s. And he has this continuing group of scientists who are funded and they trying to figure out all these anomalies. And the anomalies are not that, you know, Raghunath says, oh yeah, in my last life, I was a, a partridge. In my last life, I was a swan. In the last life, I was the queen of England. Not stuff like that. Right. Weird, peculiar, if not creepy, verifiable things. Mm-hmm. A, a two-year-old is talking about how they died at the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. And he's explaining in great detail what it was like how a plane hit the building. He's drawing pictures in class of a building crumbling. And, and he's, exp- I mean, uncanny anomalies that their parents, their, um, their uh, ther- child therapists uh, cannot explain how these kids are giving so much detail. I was reading one. If you go to carolbowman.com, she sort of took over where Dr. Ian Stevenson left off and she's got an incredible message board about where people write in and they generally it's people are like, look, I don't believe in reincarnation, but my three year old is saying things that I don't know where he's getting this from. And one was like uh, he, he insisted he he's in the Navy and he doesn't he's like he's like the Navy and we work on boats, we work on pipes. And there's like a three year old. They don't know where he's getting this up. He's stationed in Hawaii. He got bit by a, you know, a, you get bit by a snake or something like that. And then he died in a horrible shark attack. And yeah. he was, and it was out of, you know, and it was, and what man, they, they find that what manifests in anxiety disorders are often these young children who've had some traumatic death. And generally it's those who've died a traumatic death. They can still recall their past life generally from the ages four and younger. Wow. Cause they're still connected deeply. And yeah. so then we just say, Oh, that's not real. That's just, Right. Everything's going to be fine. And we try to placate them. I'm your mother. I'm your father. A lot of kids will say, and I've had a yoga student say this to me. She's like, this makes so much sense. My three-year-old insists I'm not her real mother. She has another mother. Sometimes she escapes and tries to get home. And she says, I want to, I want to find my real family. I miss my real family. And so it's not every child, but it's some children and, and they, and they don't, just say random things. It's things that one lady um, on the Netflix documentary uh, uh, um, Surviving Death, episode six. Really good. You see that it's the child is talks about how he died yeah. and 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 and, and, and gives him the mother the name of the parents and his name. And she Google searches it and boom, she's finding a child was murdered. And the child is explaining the park that he played at. And, you know, I'm a card carrying believer in reincarnation. But when you read these testimonies, it's like, oh, my God, this is really real. This is really, 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 really real. Yes. Well, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying. So it goes hand in hand with the Jyotish. It really I find it incredibly interesting. At the same time, in this like with Western therapy, where. You know, you got some issues dating men or issues dating women or issues with some fear and anxiety. You know, a good Western therapist is going to take you to back to a place of trauma. Hey, where was your father when you were growing up? Or, um, you know, what was your home situation like? 
um, it's important to sort of understand the past a little. And that's why I like Jyotish. What what problem what I find problematic with both Western therapy and people who just get into astrology just to hear about the past was the past also has to be buried and forgiven just so we can get on with our future. It's not what happened to us. It's what we're doing with what happened to us. So I think it's a beautiful combination between therapy and understanding where you're coming from, both in this life and your previous lives and how to unpack that, forgive it and move forward with, which is a big part of our, our healing. So I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate you popularizing it on podcast. It's I've always secretly loved it and never talked about it much until our podcast. (laughs) You know, it's, it's so funny because when I, I first met you, I had to have been 20. It's possible. I was 19. I was 19 or 20. And I remember walking up to you and being like, will you tell me your birthday? And you looked at me like, really like, like with a skeptic look and you're like, and then you told me your birthday. And I like had that interaction because I was studying Joe Tish back then. And I kind of wanted a little bit of insight. And it was just funny because I thought you were going to just give me a present. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> no. And so it's just, it's interesting. And I'm so glad to know that you, you are interested in Joe Tish. And now in hindsight, it's like, of course you are because you study the Vedas and you're so steeped in Vedic wisdom. And because Vedic astrology is a limb of the Vedas, you're going to have the intersection of it, of course. And what we were talking about with the, um, with the karma, you know, and two of the questions I wanted to talk to you about, I did want to talk about karma, which I feel like we were moving into already. And I also want to talk about, um, free will versus fate and, and Mm. your thoughts on that, because with Vedic astrology, it's like, we are looking at a blueprint of our karmic makeup in this life. You know, the things that we're meant to experience and the things that we're meant to witness. And, um, and it's you know, quite it, it can be quite chilling. I like in 1991 was the first time I got my chart done. And this was like reading my autobiography and my future. It like it knew the chart knew too much about me. Yeah. I was like, how the heck can it know this? And it's it's incredibly accurate. And it's not looked at as some weird novel, um, you know, pseudoscience, especially right? in the cultured parts of India. It's looked at as this is how we marry our children. This is how we pick auspicious dates to get married, to conceive a child, to um, have a special event, to have the stone laying of our temple. Um, it's it's tied into procuring um, uh, good karma for future things. And that's what your, your story about your, your question about fate and free will is we are creating our karma by what I do today. So I can do this podcast, for example, and I can just, uh, you know, say horrible things, uh, put out horrible message, and that's going to affect everybody that hears it. It'll be an inauspicious and affect people in a, a V karmic way, an inauspicious way. Or I can put out positive things. So every activity I do today is going to affect future reactions. And so there is some type of I'll just jump right in right now and answer that question, if you don't mind. There is destiny. But within destiny, there's free will. For example, me and you and I are on a plane to Hawaii. That's our destiny. We can't really get off that plane. But what we do on the plane, that's our free will. 
And some people can sleep on the plane. Some people can read on the plane. Some people can re watch a horror movie on the plane. Some people can read enlightening literature on the plane. Some people get drunk out of their mind on the plane. So there's so many options within that karma. We have some karma that you oftentimes can't get out of. But what you do with what you got is what makes us a great a Mahatma, a great soul or a Duratma, a problematic soul. You know, so we're, we're so we're trying to recreate our future in our present because we don't live in a bubble. Everything we do is sort of a vibration that goes outward. And not only are we affecting us, we reflect we're or not are we not only are we affecting us, we're affecting everybody around us. We're all like a big splash of energy going outward. Yeah. Ripple effects. Yeah. It's like it's interesting, too, because Vedic texts knew that well before modern science did. And now we have information in modern science really proving just how much of an impact we have on one another, even if we're not in super close proximity. The more I've been around this Vedic studying at first, it seems, oh, this is a novel little um, it, 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 it's looked at as not only a pseudoscience, but some like crackpot. Oh, reincarnation. Oh, telling the future. Oh, um, herbal medicine. Oh, um, whatever they can do to diminish it. And I think that the Western filter, the Roman Greco filter of reality has been cracked now. And they're realizing like we've, diminished these cultures around the world in 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 lieu of like a almost like a colonialism with our um uh, with our western sensibility but if you actually study the origins of math like of algebra uh, of martial arts of these uh vedic arts of like uh, you know uh, astrology palmistry um medicine music they're not like a bunch of like Neanderthals whacking each other on the head with bones. This is a very sophisticated culture when it comes to language, music, art, uh, ritual, spirituality. It's a massive encyclopedia, canons of information. And they're all meant to bring you to higher states of consciousness. Exactly. When the Greeks were in their infancy, India was already had the biggest universities of the world. You know, and it's uh, it's only due to like uh, Western like imperialism that we can get away with the with the arrogance that we um, that we have just put out there. Yeah. You know, you know, if you're an Ayurvedic school, a sophisticated Ayurvedic school in America, it's like you got to get an accreditation from Harvard for anyone to give you. They've been doing Ayurvedic universities for millennia before Harvard was like a dream. Yeah. Why is Harvard or Oxford the gold standard of of education? Give me a break. Absolutely. Why is uh, as wonderful as Mozart and Chopin and Beethoven are? Why are they the gold standard of what classical music is? You don't think Japan had classical music? South America had classical music. Classical music existed all over the world. We've just hearing everything with an information filter. And if we want to hear um, an objective understanding of reality, you got to zoom way out and see where Western culture, what where Western culture was coming from, you know, 
Absolutely. Greeks got a lot of their ideas from India in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this astrology, you know, when I tell people I'm an astrologer, they, it's interesting. And I think that everyone will have a different response, obviously, but I'm surprised at how people will look at it as like a party trick or something <laughs> it's a party that, trick. Yeah. It's a party trick. Like, well, tell me about myself. I was born November 7th and I'm like, well, it's, it's more complicated than that. I, you know, need more information, but it's Joe Tish is the science of light. It's not a party trick. You know what I mean? It, it's something that is steeped it, it, in ages and ages and ages of scientific evidence that people it's, put, it's equivalent to like being an engineer much it, more than a magician. Right. Right. And I think that it's been way oversimplified. Astrology has been as perceived in the West. And you know, this, when you get into Joe Tish, it's not even just looking at your birth chart. It's looking at the divisional charts and the dashas and all of these different facets of information that can give us greater detail. And it takes lifetimes, not one lifetime, lifetimes to become proficient in it. Isn't it interesting when you start looking at your life as, and that's why some people have these (laughs) proclivities towards healing, the healing arts, because they've been doing it for lifetimes and they're attracted to it. Yeah. And and just like you're attracted to this and have you checked if it's from a previous life or not? Can you tell? I mean, you know, I try, I try not to, um, look at myself that way because I try to keep like a humility about all of it. Um, I, it's not I humility though. It's math though. You know is, what I mean? That's the yes, thing. It if does, it's, it if it up. says it from your previous <laughs> life, the, the, it will say like, it looks like I was really interested in this type of thing in a previous yeah, life. So it does, uh, there is humility, sure. but there's also reality too. Right. No, it does. It, it does show that in my chart and especially like meditation and, and spiritual seeking. That's really um big and i think that with the astrology i mean i pretty much came out of the womb being interested and and i have a mother who was also interested so i got introduced luckily very young and i think a lot of people listening probably have some sort of similar um story but you were talking about your life and how when you were writing about your life and reflecting you were noticing that there was always a guide and always somebody there to help you and for me i've been so incredibly fortunate in that way when it comes to spirituality but also astrology i mean i just bump into teacher after teacher who willing to teach me things. And I think that that's one of the biggest blessings in my life for sure. These are these karmic messengers. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that just get, keep on showing up in our lives. And I I can, I can really relate to that statement too. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I was saying about writing the book, you see, Oh, now this person is sent and now this person is sent. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even your relationship with Kastuba, like when I listen to y'all have dialogue, I'm like, what kind of karma (laughs) is this connection because it's just so special and so supportive. And, um, I know that in the Bhakti tradition, having good associates is like one of the most important things we can focus on. And, um, yeah, I just, I really love the demonstration of, of y'all's karma and y'all's connection for sure. Well, I think it's, I think good company or good association. Kostuba, if you don't know, is my partner in my podcast. And he was like an old friend, like, you know, we were in the punk scene in New York City in in the early 80s, just walking the streets as teenagers. And then we both got turned into we weren't really best friends, but we saw each other because it was sort of like a community of outcasts. So we know we knew who each other were. 
But then we both got attracted to Bhakti and we both ended up living in ashrams and then we became closer friends. And now we're 55. That was like when we were 15. You know, it's unbelievable. But now we kept on. You know, this is another interesting thing about karma and Jyotish. And, you know, we travel in packs through lifetimes. Oftentimes you hear this there that the child can become the father or the or a brother or a twin or a friend. And I know like I'm 55 this year. So it's like there's been people in my life. I can't even get rid of them. It's just sort of like they're just people that they're they're in your periphery for 30 years and 40 years. It's like some karmic family you travel with, sometimes an enemy, sometimes a, a friend, sometimes a best friend, sometimes a lover but they're intimate relationships or some type of relationship that you're not even trying to have, but they're wound in with you karmically. And it's super interesting to find their karma as well, to find their chart. Yes. And this is this is why this whole thing, it's just like, you know what you're happening is you're zooming out. And like we do that with Google Maps is you go, okay, this is my apartment in New York City. Zoom out. Oh, there's my block. Zoom out. Oh, there's the city. Zip. There's the country. And what you're doing that you're here. I am Italian, American, New Yorker. Zoom out. OK, you got a family and this is your part of the family. You're in. Zoom out again. Oh, wow. There's your ancestry. OK, zoom out. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're seeing things in the biggest, broadest picture. And when we do that, one of the big. Um, benefits of this is that. Uh, the we start to see the puniness of the trivial things that we're going through that we're blowing up and thinking, Oh, my big problems. Oh, what I'm going through. We are like a speck. Even if our whole life was a life of pain, that is a moment. It's a blink of an eye in, in the picture of eternal time. Yeah. And so when you really zoom out like that, which astrology helps you do, you start to realize, Oh, I get it. This is just some karma. I'm just burning off some karma and I'm going to take responsibility for it. I'm not going to blame my situation. I'm not going to blame uh, the president. I'm not going to blame the political party. I'm not going to blame the government. I'm not going to blame my parents. I'm not going to blame anymore. I got some karma. I got what I got. Now, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. I got what I got or else I can live in the past pain or trauma and resent and hate. You can hate a parent. You can hate an uncle. You can hate and people do with this. And they can't move forward in their life. They can't drive forward because they're always looking in the rearview mirror. This is how I've been hurt. And this is so unfortunate. And this is my story. And wait till you. And then I go to the therapist and I tell the therapist my story. And it just never ends. And they lock themselves into some patterns of the past instead of forgiving the past and saying, you know what? I don't know what I even did yesterday, what to speak of I did in my last life. But I got some karma. You know, I have a student that he was he was really abandoned by his family oh, yeah. uh, at a young age. And he, he just, you know, I could tell it in his heart. He was hurt, had some bitterness towards them. And he got his chart done and he said, boy, your parents really. Really blew you off, really. He goes, yeah, he said, they really just like abandoned you. And he said, yeah, exactly. He goes, it's like they had no care for you. He says, I finally feel heard. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you know why? You were incredibly brutal to them in your previous life. Wow. And you're going to get it all back right now. So we may not 
want to think we got what we got because we deserved it. And people are like, how dare you say that? How dare? But everything is even in the material world. We don't know what we did. And even if you can't accept that, we should understand whatever karma we get, there is a benevolent hand, a benevolent energy, a benevolent force. Call it God. Call it what you need in, in, in uh, you know, in, in Indian philosophy, they call it Ishwara, the controller, the higher 12 step program called your higher power. Judeo Christian calls it God, whatever you want to call some higher force. The force is benevolent and the force is meant to bring us higher. Even though we suffer some trauma or tragedy, we have to learn from it or else we get bitter. And if you get bitter, that means you didn't learn the lesson. We got to get better instead of bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, that is so perfect, I think, for that's a perfect message for astrology, for students of astrology. Rather, they be looking at their own chart or even a global chart because we all have our own individual karma, like you're saying, things that we kind of come into the world with and that we're actively creating. But we also have a collective consciousness and a collective karma that we're creating and also like moving through in terms of um, the collective yuga and and things of that nature. And so at the end of the day, we've just got to focus on our own actions and what we're creating today and um, the energy that we're approaching it with and the knowing that we're approaching it with, but we are at time and I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Well, Um, let's just do it again. Yeah. Well, you have to come back because I want you to tell the palmistry story. I've heard you tell that a few times and I was like, everyone on astrology now has to hear this story. So the next time. Fantastic. There, okay. I, you know, I, I've got so many, you know, it's been my obsession almost in, in is the occult. And um, since I was a teenager, um, palmistry, astrology or mystics. And there's these guys who also it's they're almost beyond. They know astrology, they know palmistry, but they're actually just mystics. And they're out there. They're real. They're real people. It's not just like reading some uh, crazy book. People that can just look in your left eye and tell you all about your life, past, present and future. And they go by the guise of I'm an astrologer, but they're not. And they tell uncanny, uncanny things about your life. (laughs) There's no way they can know these things. It's amazing. It is amazing. They can see if you're possessed or if you're haunted or if you're I mean, and cultures all over the world always have these things. Christ talks about in the New Testament about possession and healing people you know we what we take as maybe even mental disorders often oftentimes could be according to these ancient traditions a type of possession where a subtle entity enters your body sure it manifests in a chemical chemical imbalance that's how it manifests with our modern instruments but for a person who has the vision they say no 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 this person has another entity inside them and it's causing them, you know, to act different, speak different, think different, have cra- the base, what we would call crazy or base desires. And so uh, that's why a big part of yoga culture is a cleanliness of how we eat, of how we live, of our of our habits. When we go to bed, when we wake up, how we do our meditation. Otherwise, degraded activities can lead to and openings in our subtle beat our subtle body and allow disembodied spirits to enter. Now, sorry, I had to get all uh, haunted now, but no, that, it, it. it's interesting <laughs> stuff. It, it, why not? What do I know? Just because yeah. I can't see it means it's not real. Right. But it's, it's nice to open your eyes up to what's beyond our medical instruments. 
Um, uh, what makes us think we can figure out everything? What makes us think we can figure out sickness? And that's why a lot, a lot of great Ayurvedic doctors I've been to, they're also expert at astrology because sometimes you realize, oh, I have a bad liver and I'm suffering tremendously. I'm subject to jaundice. And they'll say, um, there is no herb I can give you. I can give you something, but until November 4th, you're going to be suffering with this. Exactly. There'll be hope to cure it after November 4th because it's also there's a malefic planet in your chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it's also very interesting to see how you're also just burning some karma. What we call sickness is also burning some karma. And I, I can either be bitter about it. Why me? Why does this have to happen to me? I'm on vacation right now. This is unfair. Or I can say this is a chance to burn off some karma. And while I'm here in this place, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to read sacred literature. I'm going to act appropriately. I'm going to treat people with dignity. I'm going to take care of myself. And this is how we actually change future karma. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I mean, I just feel like I could keep talking to you and asking you questions. I know. But this was great. I really appreciate your time, Raghunas. Thanks so much. If people want to check out our podcast, it's uh, Wisdom of the Sages. Mm-hmm. And you can get it wherever you get podcasts. Or um, if you want to hear trips I'm doing, you can follow me on uh, Raghunath Yogi at Instagram, R-A-G-H-U-N-A-T-H. Yeah. Thank you. We do pilgrimages and and take people all over the world. So definitely. Yeah, we do pilgrimages and we're doing one this year in February and one in October, which are magical in India. If you ever want to experience, you should come experience spiritual India. It's a real game changer. And then this year we're taking a trekking uh, trekking, which is like yoga. And we do kirtan, which is call and response singing. It's really call and response chanting. And that's going through the Himalayas in Nepal, the Annapurna range. So it's quite breathtaking and it's magical. So amazing. Anyone would be so lucky to go. So definitely check out the website, check out wisdom of the sages, and hopefully we'll have you on very soon. And just thank you so much. Looking forward, Christine, keep, keep up the good job. Haribo. Haribo. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening until the end of this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about Raghunath, you can go to his website, raghunath.yoga, which I will be sure to list in the descriptions. Again, his podcast, who he co-hosts with Kastuba Das, is Wisdom of the Sages. They also have a Patreon account where they offer Ayurvedic um, cooking classes and recipes. They have yoga classes, extra classes on the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam, as well as a 12-step recovery group for or through Bhakti Yoga, which is absolutely amazing. As soon as I heard about the Patreon, obviously I joined. It's so worth it. Highly recommend it. Any amount of donation will unlock all of this amazing information for you. As usual, if you have any questions for me, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga. You can message me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to see you on Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast. And I will talk to you all very soon. Again, this is Astrology Now. My name is Christine. Thank you so much. Thank you.